As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm adjusting the backdrop here so I don't get a lot of glare here in San Diego. Um, I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? Not much. San Diego's looking good. Yeah, we have, we've had a marine layer going for two days since I got here. I got a great view. You just can't see it because of the glare, but uh, it's all the flight pattern. of It's right in front of the airport and all the fl- planes go right in front of this building. Nice. But anyway, yes. Yeah, cool. I don't know. Anyway, um, well, we got a big series coming up against the Padres because yeah. of what obviously what San Diego did in in Atlanta just over a week ago, won three out of four, and as it turns out, the Braves have only lost one other game all year so far. They're twelve That's and pretty four. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Right, and it's not like the Padres are hot either. I mean, the, the Padres are eight and nine, but they won that series in convincing fashion. Braves didn't play very good ball, but I think it kind of woke them up because they've played great since then against a couple of yeah. teams. We talked about that six-game stretch, how they needed to win five. It was unrealistic to expect sweeps. Well, they swept them both, yeah. Cincinnati and Kansas City. Yeah, and I think you get credit for that. You know, I mean, if you if you go and beat up on on some teams that are in the phases they're in and you go four and two, yeah. maybe you don't get a lot of credit, but a sweep's a sweep. But if you double yeah. up, that's that, – it's hard for any team to do that against, I mean, a rebuilding, torn down team. You play six games against two teams like that. You're normally losing at least one or two. Yeah. You know, normally in one of those type stretches, you face like the one team has yeah. one really good pitcher and yeah. it goes like seven great innings and your guy yeah. gets roughed up a little bit. You lose yeah. one game like that, but neither of those teams has a really dominant pitcher. Hunter Green might be someday, but he's not yet. Yep. You know, great stuff, obviously. Grinky's not what he was. So they really didn't have any of those guys uh, to really dominate a game. Meanwhile, the Braves have a kind of uh, – even though they've had a couple of key relievers, we've talked about this, have been out, they've still got that security blanket of knowing their relievers can – if you're a starter, they need to be yanked in the fourth inning, your relievers can yeah. give you five quality innings every night. And quite I mean, a few guys night, can go multiple. Any night you need them to. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's more like how they used to build American League bullpens before you got rid of the DH, and and now everybody's kind of trying to do that. And those guys that can go two and a third or one and two thirds, you know, clean up an inning and go out and give you another one, they're 
without a DH, man, they're or with the DH, they're they're extremely valuable. Yeah, and um, you know, and we talked about like Tonkin, for instance, was at not giving up anything. Well, he gives up a two spot yesterday, which brings us to the biggest key strength of this team so far, the offense. Yeah. This offense can go down a couple of runs, and it is nothing. They yeah. can make it up in a half inning just like that because they got yeah. so many guys that can go deep, so many guys that can double you to the gap. Uh, right now, it's been a while since I've seen the Braves have so many guys going at once, and that's even without Darno in the lineup. Yeah. Murphy playing about every day, either catching any DH one game, and without Michael Harris, who was yeah. the NL runner of the NL Rookie of the Year. So uh, Hilliard, Sam Hilliard, has really stepped in and done a good job in center field. And that guy, when I watch him play, if I'm uh, I'm waiting for AA to throw him some kind of deal because he just looks like a ball player. He does, doesn't he? Doesn't he look just super athletic? 6'5", 225, 230. It can run. Move. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah, swing. He, yeah, he's doing it on both sides because he's made some great catches out there. He's got a good arm, got good speed. He's showing he can hit. Uh, so between him doing that, Eli White just had a couple of big hits. You know, they're doing this what they're doing, like I said, without Darno. And without Ozuna doing anything, because they keep yeah. running him out there almost every day, and so far he's been terrible. But they have so many other guys that it's kind of like when you used to carry a shortstop who couldn't hit or a backup yeah. catcher who can't hit. That's what you're getting from Ozuna, but you don't have a backup catcher who can't hit. You don't have a yeah. shortstop who can't hit. And you don't have a pitcher spot. Exactly. So if you get six guys out of nine that are raking at once, you're going to have a hell of an offense, and that's what they've got right now. Yeah, you know, it's like you, you look at how they've started and the offense has been crazy and they're not going to keep that up. And if they do, they're going right. to win 120 games. Right. You know, if you hit like this all season with the decent pitching staff, right, right came out, you know, he came out a little late and, and Freed got hurt and it really hasn't phased them because of the way they right. hit, you know, missing a reliever. But pretty soon the rotation is going to get up to full strength and you get Iglesias back. And, you know, if the this is what's so great about this team is if the offense starts to struggle. They yeah. still have such a great pitching staff. They're going to keep winning games. But when they hit like this, you're not – I mean, I don't know who's beating them. Yeah, their bullpen and the offense carried them early while they could piece together this rotation. But now you got Kyle Wright back, and his second start looks so much better yesterday better. than yeah. he did in the first. And now the big one is tonight you get Max Fried back, who got hurt on opening day, hamstring pull, and tonight's his first start since then. So you get that rotation back to what you had projected, and with elder pitching beyond expectations – Yep. Soroka waiting in the wings, making some starts in AAA. How's he been looking? He pitched pretty well in his first one. Our first couple. Yeah, he pitched pretty well. He's looked good. He's making progress. So that's good. Yeah, they uh I mean, your offense obviously is not probably not going to compete performing like this. So but you could have a little slippage when, once you get and you're gonna get Glacius, your best relievers, not even pitch yet. Him and Mitch yeah. are your best relievers. And so far you haven't had him, and you've had one of your three or four best relievers. And Colin McHugh's been out, so he'll be back soon too. Harris probably maybe a week away, maybe back for the maybe shorter than that, maybe back for the Houston series. So, would you say that the Braves are up there in that Dodgers Astros for category sure. now? I mean, they're for they're sure. right there. Absolutely, one of the super teams, quote unquote. Pretty much, yeah. I would say right now, I don't know how you can't say that they are. They're twelve yeah. and four record, second best in the majors. Tampa Bay's fourteen and two after that thirteen and zero start. Uh, Braves six and zero against teams from Missouri, by the way, St. Louis and Kansas City. <laughs> okay, I don't know what that means. If it means much, but it's 
Yeah. Not being six and over. Right. Yeah. You're beating up the teams that you should beat up. And then St. Louis is a pretty good team, man. And you swept them at their place. So at their place. Right. I mean, the only blip you've even had is the San Diego series. And they're good. You know? And the Padres played a lot better in that series than they've played most of the time since then. So we'll see. Um, tonight, I, I, you know, the great thing is, you know, people talk about how weird it is they're playing the Padres twice in the first, you know, in a span of just over a week. You're going to yeah. be done with the Padres for the rest of the year. Well, while that is weird, and I know Braves will want to say, you know, now we want to beat them at full strength. You'd rather not face them when Tatis is there because he is raking in AAA. He's going to be activated Thursday, I right saw after him they leave. The right center. From that ball hit to right center yesterday. <laughs> My God. He'll be back from his PED suspension, and the Braves are going to face them seven games without him. And you also get Joe Musgrove back in that rotation probably by the end of the week. So you face him without him. So you need. I'd, to, I'd rather need not to take face advantage. any team at full strength if I don't have to. Yeah, take I mean, advantage, man. You got three playoffs. games here. Win the series. Win the series. Not saying sweep them, but win the series, and you go home in great shape before you face the Astros. If they Ooh. win the World Series, or if they win the series, that's an eight and one trip. Yeah. No, no, this was a six game trip. They win the series, it'd be a five and one trip. Oh, they just started on the road. I was thinking they they already yeah. they played in Cincinnati for some reason. Yeah, they they played in uh, they played the Reds at home. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. not played in Cincinnati yet. So, um, yeah, you, so you get the Padres now. You'll be done with them. They're going to be a lot better by the end of the year. Who knows? These teams might meet in the postseason. Padres are a lot better than their eight and nine record. We know that they're five and five in their past ten, four and six at home. But once they get Tatis, that batting order gets a whole lot better. Uh, Soto's starting to hit now a lot better. So yeah, you want to get them now if you can. And then the, and then the Astros come to town and they're not clicking on every, all cylinders yet either. And they don't get Altuve back probably till June from the broken thumb. You know what? I was happy. Gaddis kind of went on a Twitter rant a few, maybe yeah. a week ago or so, but I was happy that he said, and I don't think he would have had any reason to lie because he's being truthful with everything else that Altuve yeah. wouldn't even want at the signs because yeah. he's, he's such a great player. And you know, that, that really taints his right. legacy thinking he cheated. Right. I talked to, uh, I talked to Charlie Morton about the same thing and you know, he didn't get all uh, indignant or anything. He just said, if you, if you talk, if you know Altuve, you know, you know that what they're saying about him is not fair. I mean, they all they have oh total respect for Altuve. And He's the, handled it well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'd be on a, a, I'd be trying to defend myself and coming out and, right. and saying I didn't do it every day. He's kind of just let the thing fizzle out. Unlike Correa, because he tried to and it backfired, and made him look worse. <laughs> yeah. Altuve's been smart, and not said anything. Yeah, he knows that eventually, eventually, and he plays another five, ten years. And this keeps doing not, the same thing. It's not gonna. It's it's gonna be a blip on his. It's not gonna stain. It's not gonna be Jose Altuve, comma who played for the. It's not gonna be that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, what they did, what they did as a team was horrible. Yeah. We don't know each individual player, but I do know that Altuve is a great player, and yeah. that one year is not gonna stain his whole Hall of Fame career. To me. To me. Right, right. It's not like he was ever accused of stealing, cheating signs for the first however many years he's played. And look at his numbers. Yeah. So. And he never – he always seemed like a reactive hitter in the box. You know, it right. didn't seem like a guy sitting there waiting for something he was looking for. It was like the first strike he sees, he's hacking, and he can hit everything. I think even like with McCann, you know, who kept silent the whole time, and we thought we wondered if that was the right way to do it. We probably thought he should have came out like Gaddis and just said it. 
But I think it's starting to fade with him too because you see yeah. him like on coaching with on Dero's staff at the WBC. Yeah. You're not hearing people talk about the Astros and the cheating right now. Right. And, and if they know McCann, they know they know. <laughs> yeah, he's not that guy. No. Nah. So okay. Um, so you got Max Fried coming tonight in the series opener. I'm interested because he's coming back from the hamstring strain. He did not do a rehab start, but he faced live pitching. He pitched in a sim game. And I think in guys like with in, in the case of him, it's so early in the season, it's only 15 days. I think they look at it as he's a mature enough guy as a pitcher. He knows what he's doing. Really don't need to run him out there in a triple-A start when we can do, have him face some hitters here. Is that the way they look at this? You do agree with that? I would think so. I mean, Max is – you know, he's still so young to think of as like a salty vet. Yeah. But he's been an ace for a while, you yeah. know, and he's he's, he's at the point now where if he says he doesn't need it, and it's not like it was an arm injury where you need to go test right. your arm. It's, it's a hamstring. If he yeah, feels he kept good his moving, arm going the whole kept time. Kept his arm going, then it's just like a long layoff. I mean, there's there's starters that either get skipped or, or start, you know, the fifth day before the all-star break, and then the all-star break happens, and then they get lined up in the back. They don't go on the DL, and they miss almost two weeks. So, yeah. It, for me, if he says he's ready at the point in his career that he's at and knowing his character, you know, it's it's like one thing if you got a guy that's known to be lazy and not work hard and not take care of himself and he's probably just drinking on the DL yeah, and, and icing his arm or whatever, then you're kind of like, we want to send him out. But they've also had the luxury of being able to watch him throw the whole time. You know, he's probably not going to look rusty. Yeah, and I think, I think it was a case of if we haven't go out and make a triple-A start, once he was cleared to do like cover first base and those kind of things, then it was really uh, uh, ramped up and got here in a hurry. So if they'd yeah. had to make a triple-A start, it would have been pushing it to have him get in the Padres series because he was yeah. only cleared to cover first base like, what, five days ago, whatever it was. Yeah. So it might burn a good start out of him. You know, if he goes down there and throws seven shutouts, like you could have right. had that in the big leagues. Yeah, you wasted it. Yeah, I think that's a way to look at it too. So it's probably a wise decision. I mean, now you get him to kick off things in this important series, kind of set the tone. If he goes out and pitches well, and he's obviously been cleared, and it was a hamstring. It wasn't a tear or anything off the bone. It was a, a relatively minor thing that if it had been late in the season or postseason, he would have kept pitching. Yeah, so. and it, this early, you know, your mindset is something's nagging somebody that important. You know, let's just get it right, and we got all season to make up for it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Max, the important thing to remember, we talked about this at the time when he did this, and he did it covering first base and third inning of that, fourth inning of, that, uh, of opening day at D.C. in the cold there, chilly, windy. Um, we talked about how this was, the timing was so similar 
to when he did this uh, three years ago. Yeah. And went on the 15-day DL. That was April 2021. He was on the aisle that year for three weeks, about a week longer than this year or four days longer, something like that. And if you recall, he had gotten off to a rough start that year, had a couple of really bad starts, and it was kind of a reset for him. So while he was out with that with that hamstring injury, he kind of figured some things out in his delivery and all that. And he came back, and he was lights out. So that one worked out well for him. I don't know if he'd have been able to make those adjustments pitching every five days, but he came back and was – it was night and day that year. So I think anytime you get a chance to throw without pressure, you know, and, and kind of – sometimes there's an adjustment you want to make, and it's going to take two or three bullpens. You, you yeah. know it's an adjustment you got to make, but you can't really – take it into a game yet you don't have a, you only get one or two between your starts um you get to give a guy that chance to kind of tinker a little bit as good as max is and yeah usually they come back better he had gone uh he had a six three five era in his first three starts in 2021 for that injury right he had given up 12 runs, 17 hits in his last two starts before the il then was activated immediately began one of the best stretches of his career Went 14 to 6, 244 ERA in his remaining 25 starts, including 17 Braves wins. And after the All-Star break that year, he led the uh led the league or led the majors in ERA like 177 after the All-Star break that year. So yeah, that was a nice year for him. All right. We talked about that offense, some specifics. Dude, I, I couldn't believe this when I looked this up last night on the qualified players in the majors. In the National League, the Braves now have, after Sean Murphy's unbelievable week, Sean Murphy, they have three of the, uh, or I'm sorry, five of the top 23 NL players, qualified players in OPS, three of the top nine. It's a 15 team league. <laughs> Sean Murphy's third at 1,097. Matt Olson is fifth at 1,069. Ronald Acuna Jr. is ninth at 1,022. You got three of your eight lineup regulars, nine lineup regulars. OPS and over 1,000 with, what, one-tenth of the season down? Austin Riley is 19th at 925. You know he's going to move up. Yep. Oh, he's not doing anything out of the ordinary. 925 is what he does. Yeah. And Orlando Arcia still ranked. He'll drop off the qualifieds because he's not going to have plate appearances in another few days probably. But he was at 911 before he got it hurt. I guess RC is the only guy that, you know, you would consider a surprise. <laughs> the rest yeah. of the guys, it's like you said, they're just doing what they do. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a good thing when you see a stat like that is yeah, it, it's something you could expect from each guy. It's not it's not some guy playing out of his mind that right. you're expecting to fall off. Right. Sean Murphy just had an extraordinary five days. You're not expecting that. But the point is this guy's we talked about it, how many home runs he hit with Oakland as his home ballpark. Yeah. And we said when he came over, if he played as much here, because he, he caught, I mean, last year, like 115 games, 118 games, we, and, and DH 30 games. We said if he plays even close to what he played in Oakland yeah, for the Braves with the ballpark, fair ballpark, this is a 30-home run guy. Yeah. I mean, he's legit, 25, 30-home run guy, easily. Night so, games in Oakland, the ball just doesn't – I mean, you get it out in a day game – yeah, if you if you had a home run in Oakland at night, you I mean that's there's no luck to it. Huge ballpark and the atmosphere. Yeah, atmosphere is tough. I mean, that's the, for me, I can't stand it because 
there's barely any fans, and then you have the fans that do show up. They all bring instruments. You know, yeah, you, you can hear every one of them. Yeah, every, and all, every yelling fan. You know, it's quiet enough stadium where the fans can actually talk to you during the game. Yeah, and I don't yeah. ever like that. You know, I just like I like white noise. You know. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's tough to you know day games. There are tough to get up for. I think he's really going to like Atlanta. So Sean Murphy's second week. How good was it with the Braves? It was one of the best that any hitter has ever had in the franchise history. That's how good it was. He had two doubles and a homer Saturday. It made him the second Braves player in history to have at least nine extra base hits in a five-game span. And the other wasn't Hank Aaron. It was Joe Adcock, who's a Braves Hall of Famer. He had 10 extra base hits in a five-day span in 1954. And it didn't even it doesn't even stand out because everybody else is doing so right. You know, I mean that's why that's why it's shocking. Because if if you're carrying an offense, then you're aware of it and you're expecting some crazy stat like that. But with how they've been hitting, it just kind of blends in. Yeah. Arfies has that week with Oakland last year. Everybody's gonna go, man, Oakland sucks. But if you see what Sean Murphy's doing, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know, it's easier to stand out in the in different lineups. Now it's just Oh man, Oakland sucks. <laughs> yeah, no butts to it. They just suck. Um, God, you you know he's got to look at that. You know he, his, that's the only organization he was ever with. You know he keeps up with them every day and goes, yeah. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be on a contending yeah. team, playing in front of packed houses. They sold out all four games in that Padre series, which was kind of the unfortunate part of losing three, other than losing three, which is also unfortunate. <laughs> but they sold out every game. And that was a wraparound series, man. I mean, it started like a, a Thursday, not wraparound, it was Thursday through Friday. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah Thursday. They sold Sunday. out all of them, though. And then they had 35000 for a freaking Reds game on a Monday night with school in session, which back in the day, until a few years ago, that recipe in Atlanta on a chilly night, too, that's 12,000 people in the seats most. Yeah, they're getting to really see how much that traffic and, and stadium location was holding them back. Yeah, and you how know. much winning consistently helps. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you if you suck, you're not pulling that. But yeah, winning man, people that argue, fans that argue that you that you that you get a better product, you get more people there by spending money. It's true. It's just yeah. that you've got to make that commitment. Is it chicken and egg and all that? You know, because if you yeah. win, well, look at San Diego. Ideally, you win without spending the money. Then you start spending the money, but that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. So a team like San Diego, yeah, that commits before they actually start getting the fans there is paying off for them because right now they're eight and nine, but they're drawing great crowds. I mean, yeah, and they're going to be good. They're not yeah, going to keep playing like that. So anyway, he uh, uh, the the thing that that stood out to me though too, in addition to his unbelievable five game span that Sean Murphy. I pointed this out when the Braves got it because he talked to when Snit was talking about DHing uh the catcher who's not playing that day behind a dish, DHing him. I looked up Murphy's numbers and I was shocked at how mediocre or bad his numbers were as a DH last year compared to his numbers as a catcher. And you know, a one season deal can be fluky, yeah. short small sample size and everything, but it wasn't that small a sample size. And some guys talk about how they're so much into the game, so much better hitter when they're playing. And not thinking about that one at bat, getting all geeked up, you know, and aiming everything. Some guys it works. Some guys can do it and learn to do it great. Like Sandoval was here, you know, for the while he was doing it yep. great. Uh, and Nelson Cruz. Yeah. You know, other guys never really adapt to it and just never really become a good DH. Chipper never wanted to, you know, even the interleague games, he preferred to play. 
Yeah. There's definitely something to that. I mean, you, it's almost the benefit of distraction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're so focused on all this other stuff that you just go up and compete and hit when it's your turn to hit. When you strike out in your first at bat and you got three innings to think about that, you know, it's it's so much right. of it, so much focus comes on this one thing. And the only way to have a good day is to hit. Yeah. You know, if you if you strike out in your first at bat as a catcher, you go throw somebody out. Now you got good yeah. vibes. You know, you've contributed. So I think there's there's certain guys that I think everybody can do it, but the guys that struggle, you know, they they need an adjustment period to be a DH. And a lot of the really good DHs. They're not guys that are doing both. You know, they're they're not getting to feel what it's like to be engaged the whole game and come back. They're, for the most part, just ad- adapting to that DH role. And I wonder also about DH in, in cold weather. There you go. You get a little bit better view of this. And go. I wonder also about DH in, in a place where it's where you play most oh, yeah. of your games in a chilly climate, like Oakland. Not cold, yeah. but chilly. It's got to be easier when you, when you're in a warm place and you're not cooling down, have to warm up again for your bat and all that. Something else well, just keeping a lather. Yeah, I mean, in Atlanta, you can just jog two wind sprints and you're sweating. Especially in another few weeks. But, yeah, yeah. it's already got warm there. Um, yeah. So, anyway, looked it up. And last year, he hit 269 with 16 homers and 805 OPS in 116 games. That's 481 plate appearances as a catcher. 269, 805 OPS, 16 homers. As a catcher, that's damn good as a catcher. As yeah. a DH – 30 games, 129 plate appearances last year. He had 179 with two homers and a 584 OPS. Now, I know that's not a huge sample size, but 30 games and 129 plate appearances is not tiny either. It's not a small sample size. Yeah. So then. That's legit. So then the reason I looked it up is because he has that incredible week that he just had. And he DHs on Sunday for the first time all year. First time he's DHed. Darno was DHing when he wasn't catching before he got hurt. But Murphy has not until Sunday. Chadwick Trump got his first start behind a plate. Murphy DHed. And after that unbelievable year, uh, unbelievable five days, he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts Sunday as a DH. That's what yeah. made me think about it and look it up. Yeah, it's different personalities too. Like Darno is like this no matter what. Like that dude's never high or low. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's the same, you know, as other guys, they, they feed off the energy of being in the game. They, their body feels better when they're moving. You know, there's a lot to it. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, we're not going to see Murphy DH much at all until Darno gets back, certainly from the concussion IL. Murphy's going to play just about every day, yeah. but he DH Sunday in a day game after a night game, a rain delayed night game. And it was cold, still Sunday, windy. So it made sense to DH him try not push him too much early, but I would fully expect to see him catch all three games in San Diego, uh, night games out here, and then uh, and then probably every game in, against Houston unless the uh, you know, day game on Sunday. So, but anyway, it'll be interesting when Darno gets back. How often? And there's no timetable for him, by the way. People keep asking, and you hate saying no timetable, but with a concussion protocol, it's totally different than any of the others. Because every yeah. day they examine him, every day they have him do tests. I'm not sure what the tests are for concussion, but every day the doctors look at him. And until he passes those tests, that's not one of those injuries that you can push the envelope or whatever. No. Until he passes those tests, he does nothing. Well, so, especially that there's a risk of having another one, and right. that's when it gets really, really bad. he's had four in his career. Yeah. I never gave concussions a lot of credit. I thought, oh, you're just like dizzy for a few days. Right. You know, until I talked in depth with uh, David Ross had a pretty bad one in his yep. career. And he was just talking about 
he couldn't even control his behavior. You know, he'd get really angry for no reason. He wasn't even sure why. And, you know, he's pretty, pretty chill for the most part. Yeah. He's intense when he's playing, but, uh, you know, talking to him a lot about it, it made me really understand why concussions are so scary. You know, just the things he went through. I mean, just look at, I know it's a different situation, but football players who've had multiple ones and they get that last one that proves to be too much. And you don't even know it at the time other than yep. it's debilitating. But later in life, what it could yeah. do is just absolutely devastating. So, yeah, I, it's one good thing about uh, uh, about developments and protocols in the last decade. All sports, they've been really, really totally different about concussions than they used yeah. to be. He used to Take be like, serious, ah, he's, he's just soft, send him back out. No, they don't do that now. And, mm-hmm. and teams know better because if you do it now with everything that's known about concussions yeah. and you skirt the, the rules to get a player back out there and then something happens to that player, you yeah. open yourself up to massive lawsuits down the line because it's all yeah. out there now and there are protocols in place. So teams I mean, it's are incredible the NFL can even keep functioning, you know, with how scary exactly. concussions are. Yeah. It looked like a few years ago when all these cases were coming out that football really was in peril, but it just goes to show how popular it is, you know, yeah. something that, that makes that much money is always going to be survive at least. <laughs> anyway, he um, talks about it a ton, you know, he talks about all the concussions and stuff, but he's still watching yeah. the 49ers on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Murphy, anyway, in that five day period, nine for 19, six doubles, three homers, no singles, 11 RBIs, an absurd 1263 slugging percentage in 1847 OPS. Dude was, that was unbelievable. While yeah. catching every game. Yeah. He's, he's a hell of a player. Especially getting off to a rough start a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I'm also glad to see Contreras is really uh, doing well with Milwaukee. They love him. Yeah. And they're talking about how well he's caught, too, and how much he's yeah. learning, what a sponge he's been. So that was, that's good to see. He's hitting up there. And uh, they when they got him, they didn't know how much he'd be a primary defensive catcher, primary catcher. But they said, no, he's playing great. So. That's good. That's good. That's one of those trades that's going to work out for everybody, I think. It's nice when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's tough when you get a guy that comes over and, and sucks and you're watching this guy take off. You know, it keeps a lot of teams from making deals. But you're right. This one could be one that everybody's happy with. So, given how early we are in the season, um, Murphy goes over four or three strikeouts Sunday. It dropped his average from 308 to 279 <laughs> in one game. And his OPS, while it's still third best in the NL, we have 1,097. It had been one. It had been 1199 before that game Sunday. So yeah. Braves catchers still lead the majors with 14 RBIs, have the second best OPS at that position behind the Rockies. OPS uh, Braves are 914 Braves catchers. Rockies 944. Meanwhile, Braves DHs, primarily Ozuna, not just him, but primarily him. Tied for 22nd in the majors with a 217 average, 666 OPS is 21st in the majors. And that would be considerably lower if it wasn't for Darno, who was damn good as the DH. He went nine for 18 as DH, two doubles, four RBIs. All the other Braves in the DH role this season, I looked up this last night, the others, four for 42, 095 with one double, two homers, two RBIs, those on solo homers by Ozuna, 16 strikeouts. They are yeah. stinking at the DH other than Darno right now. Yeah, and it, it doesn't hurt you really when you have a shortstop and a catcher hitting. Because like you said, those are the positions you're kind of right. – in the past, you'd throw out a guy that's hitting 220 but amazing shortstop. Right. 
or you'd have a catcher that's lights out back there, but you know, it's two thirty with 10 homers and you're happy with it. Cause he's so good behind the plate. Yeah. Having two guys at those prime defensive positions raking, you can, you can handle a DH doing this for a little while longer. Yeah. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions supply and obviously we've talked about it extraordinary circumstances the guys ozuna's owed 37 million coming into the year 18 each of these seasons one million dollar buyout as much as people would love for the braves just to eat it and move on that's not a decision that great businesses make lightly i mean yeah it's hard to make that decision that's a lot of money i know we get so uh yeah numb to the to the figures out there that it just seems like monopoly money but mm-hmm. that is thirty-seven million on the bottom line, one way yeah. or the other. And if you do release him, and I know people say twenty twenty when he led the uh, the NL in uh, home runs and RBIs, that was three years ago, and it was only sixty game season. But he led the NL in homers and RBIs. He's not yeah. an old guy. If no. if because he hit well in spring training, if you release him and he goes somewhere else, starts raking, yeah, it's egg on your eighteen, face. yeah. So and it's not like you know. It's yeah. not like he, you you look at him and it's oh, his bat's slow, right? He's just not squaring the ball up. But it's right. it's not like a physical thing. And yeah, I mean, it gets it gets tough to to be that guy, and it gets tough to watch it. But when it's that much money, and he's got so much talent, you know, he's got so much raw power with the bat that yeah. it could click, you know. And it's it's clicked in the past. And before he came to Atlanta, he had that season. I think it was with uh, St. Louis. Yeah. And, yeah. It's you almost in postseason too in a play in a series playoffs. You get so scared to pull that trigger and watch him just take off with somebody else. But you know he could also be in that position where he's at where he's at with the Braves, and it's just the reset of going to a new right. team might do it. And then you can't fault the team for that because at some point you realize you just you just think well it's not going to happen here. <laughs> How long can you can you wait? But that's a really tough decision to make, and I'm glad I don't have to make it. Right. And it's only, I know it feels like it's an eternity because he sucked the last two years while getting arrested twice. That just exacerbates everything, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. If this guy had no arrest, it was a clean slate, and it was, you know, the people really liked him, they would be much more forgiving right now. But it's a combination of him being bad on the field, doing some terrible things off the field, and allegedly he's got arrested for him. Um, but, and then that, that's a hard sell, I know. And I understand why people are booing it, you know. Yeah. That's that takes a lot for Brace fans to boo the one of their own, but they have been yeah. doing it. But I'd assume credit, by him still being his around, credit, he's not flipping off anybody. He's not right. coming out saying afterwards complaining. He understands. He's, he's wearing not, it. Yeah, he's wearing it. If he starts hitting, it's still early, and you can carry that a little better in the DH role than you can 
uh, in the outfield. They got outfielders that are playing pretty well. He's not killing you out there. I'm not saying, you know, you, you, you do it all season, but so far it's, it's early. We're one tenth of the way into the season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'd understand. Well, I mean, I'm just assuming he's decent in the clubhouse and he's working yeah, hard. He's fine in the clubhouse. If, the guy, really if he was shutting down, you know, and coach said he wanted to you know, get out there earlier, do some work and he right. didn't want to do the work. Yeah, I would think he'd be gone by now. But or just he, being an asshole. If people didn't yeah, like him in the clubhouse, a douche in the clubhouse, yeah. All it would take was three or four players to tell him get rid of this guy, and they would he'd be gone. Yeah. They would eat the money. Yeah, if the players said we've had enough, then right, he's killing us in the clubhouse and on the field. Get rid of him. But they haven't said that. To my knowledge, he has not had any incidents in the clubhouse. He's been fine. Right. Yeah. He occasionally, might have showed up a little late. <laughs> but he's not the last first veteran to do that. But he has not been a disturbance in the clubhouse at all, from what yeah. I understand and what I've observed myself. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how long it goes with it. It could happen tomorrow. It might not happen at all. The Braves might eat it for the whole year and decide in the winter, okay, that's it. We're not going to do this another year. They yeah. might do it at the trade deadline. They might get somebody to just pick up $5 million of what he's owed, you know? And it's you can get a, that from a hot couple of weeks going into the trade deadline. Right. If somebody has a need, somebody has an outfield to go down or a DH go down, and he happens to be on a week like Murphy just had, or he's had a couple of good weeks where yep. he's hit five home runs, boom, you might get, you save yourself $10, 15000000 million just by waiting a little longer. Yeah. You just float an article, you know, float some yeah. info that he made this swing adjustment and how good he's feeling. Yeah. Somebody will bite. So. I don't like the insinuation there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, saying. Kyle Wright, that was a that was a huge development yesterday for him to come back and put that first one behind him. Uh, he said, and, and his teammates all said after the first one, and, and Snit said, they weren't worried at all. It was his first start. It really should have been the middle of spring training, given how, many, how few starts he had made at camp and then one minor league start. So they weren't worried at all. It's geeked up with the adrenaline going and all that. He walked a few guys, had one really bad inning. And uh, he said, you know, I'm not worried. Felt great coming out of my hand. The velo was there. He was going to talk to the middle performance guy during that week, figure out, get some backs, doing some things he was doing. It all worked, and he looked great yesterday. Yeah. You know, the numbers weren't off the charts, but it was much, much better getting closer to himself. Give up two runs, five and two-thirds, struck out six, walked three. Um and really, if you think about it, this should be one of his – these should have been the last couple of starts of his spring yeah. training if he would have been the normal camp and hadn't missed several weeks with the shoulder issue after getting the cortisone injection in January. Yeah, and, you know, at any time, for me in my career, opening day, you always had some nerves. It didn't matter how much time I had. Anytime I went on the DL for a few weeks or, or you know, started a season late, you have – I mean, there's an adjustment period to go from pitching these games that – no matter how hard you try to focus, you know, deep down, they don't mean anything Yeah. to, all right, it's real. And so anytime a guy does that, even Grissom, you know, with his, his errors in, in, in that first game back, it's like yeah. for him, that first game in the big leagues, you're going to have some nerves and it's a thing now, you know, everybody's focused on his defense. Right. I, I would have been really surprised if he didn't have at least one, th- one play he flubbed up, but right. I don't judge guys. Those first couple, um, it coming off the DL first game back or first game getting called up, you know, you like to let it sit for, for at least a week or two, you know, two starts out of a starter before you really start yeah. evaluating it. Cause there's always that extra bit of nerves, no matter how long you've been in the game. Yeah. We'll get to Grissom real quick. Uh, I thought the really, the biggest thing I thought for 
for right. He loads the bases with no outs in the third inning. Got mm-hmm. a double play grounder, limited the damage to one run that inning. I thought that was huge. And that was what he does. Now that's just that's, that's what who he we became. Do. Yeah. He said, uh, he said that was a big confidence booster for me going forward. I feel like I could have thrown the ball better, but I felt right. Like we made pitches when we needed to. He says we instead of I sometimes. Stuff was good. Now we just continue to build and continue to grow outing after outing. But I feel like I'm in a much better position now to go and be consistent. Snit said, man, I thought that was really, really good. That was a big improvement over the last time. So yeah. that's big. I mean, that's, that's the guy, remember, he led the majors in wins last year, and it wasn't fluky. It was low ERAs, uh, low three ERA. So, I mean, he had 21 wins and 30 starts last year. No, he's legit. Yeah. There wasn't anything about last year that, you know, made me question anything of, is he here to stay? It was, That was a coming out party. Real solid. Is he an ace and number one? No, probably not. But he's got great stuff, and he's a real solid middle of the rotation starter yeah. on a championship team. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have a hard, hard time leapfrogging Max for ace. but sure. uh, Or even Strider if Strider keeps developing. Right. There's some guys in front of him, but there's some teams where if he kept pitching like that, I oh, mean, just the consistency, the consistency alone is like, let's, let's give this guy the ball opening day. If he pitched like he did last year, he would have yeah. been the ace on like 10 or 15 teams. Yeah. You know, yeah. but this team just happens to have Max Freed, who's mm-hmm. one of the best 10 starters in the majors, and Spencer Strider, who's a freak. Strikes out know? 27 per night. Right, right. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, I mean, having Kyle Wright as your number three, there's very, very few teams that can look yeah. at that kind of quality depth. And three is such a great spot to be in, too. Yeah, I mean, you're not having to go up against the, the other team's aces, and there's not the pressure of being the ace. You yeah, know, you can just do your thing. And if you uh, if you exit after five or six, put make that bullpen go three or four innings. You got Charlie Morton coming up the next yeah. day, and the bullpen is probably fresh because you just had Freed and Strider pitch. Right, Vaughn Grissom. I thought he really looked good in the three game series against KC. I thought it was impressive. This is a guy that uh, a lot of attention was played when he and Shoemaker was was paid to. Uh, he and Shoemaker when they were kind of staging this what appeared to be a two man battle for shortstop at spring training. After going into spring training with Grissom and Arcia as a two-man battle. Yeah. Shoemaker hit really well early. His defense stood out because he's a really good defensive player. And um, it just kind of the narrative developed, helped along by Snit saying, we're going to take one of the two north, you know, yeah. between Grissom and Shoemaker. That was a week before camp in that he said that. Things changed. They made the decision to go with Arcia, who also had a strong spring, and they wanted his experience. And that uh, at really solid defensive, great arm, and they thought he could hit a lot better right now than Shoemaker, clearly, and probably better than Grissom. Well, he did. Arcia did until he got hurt. And that decision looked like a wise one. So yeah. now, in the meantime, Arcia goes down to AAA, was raking, hitting over 400 down there, took it the right way, the way guy, the way teams always hope a guy will take being demoted, being option yeah. to play. Instead of going down there and sulking, going, I don't belong here. I spent the last two months of last year in a big leagues helping that team win a division. I don't belong here. He didn't take it like that. He went down and played his ass off. It's Not harder to do that than you think, too. I mean, it's a big blow to go down to AAA after you've tasted the big leagues. I'm sure it is, man. I mean, and he was here for the playoff stretch, playing in front of packed houses, mm-hmm. you know. And that's got to be tough. You're going to Gwinnett, and all of a sudden you're playing in front of 5,000 people. 6 a.m. flight. Well, yeah, and you're playing a yeah, six-game series. Now yeah. they have six-game series everywhere. So, yeah, but he took it well down there, played shortstop down there. And what happens before you know it, 
one of those things. It always things. does, it seems like. RC is off to the best start of his career, signs a three-year extension, and on opening day is playing great. It looks like, okay, there's no way we see Grissom again this year unless Ozzy gets hurt. What happens? RC gets hurt two weeks into the season. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's so important. Fracture. You know, it's, it's so important to go down there and have a good attitude and stay ready. Right. And for some guys, they do that. They have the great attitude, and that call never comes. But the worst thing that could possibly happen in your career is to be just dicking around in, in AAA, half-assing things. Then you get called up, and you get this opportunity to cement yourself. Because if he plays his ass off, then there's a debate when Arcia gets healthy. What do we do? Right. If you come up and suck, it's just as soon as he's healthy, you're going back to AAA. Right. I think Arcia played too well to lose his position, but I hear what you're saying. If he just rakes, Arcia, remember, is a damn good utility guy. So yeah. anything could happen. And they could just move. They're getting Grissom all this development right now. They could even think about putting him at second base or shortstop. I don't think that would happen because they want him to keep playing every day. But anyway, your yeah. point's well taken. I mean, it gives them something to think about. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and we've also we've seen how Ozzy is vulnerable to injuries, freak things, getting hit, plays yep. so hard that he hurts things a lot. So you got Grissom there to put to call up play second if you need him. So having yeah. those two guys too on tap, if you feel like Ozzy could use a few days off, Ozzy can DH. Yeah. You know, no doubt. it's just no a doubt. nice luxury to have. Yeah. So Grissom came up and um, on Sunday, he has the one out double in a ninth after or one out uh, single after Ozzy had doubled. They, they got a couple of, they got a two run homer. I think it was off of, uh, off of uh, Tonkin and, and took a lead or, or tied it up. And then the Braves come right back. Ozzy gets a double. And Ozzy had a little mini resurgence, by the way. That was really welcome by them because he started, he struggled coming out of the gate. Uh, and then Grissom steps up and hits a hanging slider. And I love what he did with it. Instead of trying to pull it, he hits an opposite field single yep. up the line, scores Albies with a go ahead run, and the Braves do it again. And they show how they can win in so many different ways. And this time, the kid doing an opposite field hit, showing some, uh, showing some development there, some maturity. And every time they do this, yeah, every time they do it, they build momentum knowing they can do it. And as another team, <laughs> like you never let your guard down. But that's, just, that's more stress on bullpens. Oh, yeah. It's more stress. It's the worst thing that happens, you know, for a team's momentum, you know, and especially if you do it early in a series, but it's to get up, take that late lead or tie the game up late and first guy out of the pen gives it right back. It's like that's yeah. that's a kiss of death for your game. You're losing that game when you give it back like that. Right. And they do it so much. Uh, and Snicker said about Grissom, just as a reminder of, of, of why they like this guy so much. Remember when he came up last year, Homer's over the monster in his first game. Right. And Rake hit like 400 the first couple of weeks. The big thing about him is the high OBP and all that, but the bat to ball skills are way above average. And that yeah. you, that's hard to teach. You got that yeah. or you don't. Yeah. So he's got that. So he's going to hit, regardless of what he does defensively in his career. He's going to hit. And Snit said uh, he puts it in play. He'd be a hard guy to defend because he sprays that thing all over, and he's up there swinging. He's aggressive. Yeah. He's a bomb play. When you do that, good things can happen. That was big right there. Yeah, and you'd much rather have that be a guy's you know scouting report that he's got these incredible bat-to-ball skills versus, oh, he just has incredible at-bats, but he's kind of limited with his ceiling. Right. The Grissom can he can do some damage in the box. And he's a guy that's probably going to put on 10 more pounds of muscle. He's still so young and he's got the body, the frame to handle it. He's going to fill out. Um, he talked about Grissom. I, I like the swagger this guy's got, and I like the uh 
the chip on the shoulder in a good way this guy's got. He's aware of what's being said. He knew what was being said this winter when he was working out with Washington and New Orleans. Some question is uh, some scouts came out and, you know, through reporters said that they questioned his uh, range, whether he could play defense in the, in the majors. Um, and he hears that kind of thing, and it drives him. Instead of yeah. questioning himself, he goes out there to show people that he can do it. And he, yeah. he seems it seems like it's not an act, too. He really believes in himself. He's not just trying to convince himself. And I like he comes up and says, uh, I knew there was still some marinating to be done going down to AAA. I felt good knowing I had done a decent enough job, but you can't just be decent. He said this yeah. after the game Sunday or before, and he said, uh, it's like about people questioning him. He said, that's like every part of every, uh, er, like part of every athlete's dream is to prove everyone wrong. Yeah. And you see guys have their whole career manufacturing that chip on their shoulder. Right. Just pre- there's plenty of guys in the league right now that, you know, they go on some Twitter rant and you're just like, dude, nobody's right. saying you're not going to be an ace. <laughs> right. And coaches to say that shit about their team, like the yeah. Georgia football coach. Yeah. And it's like, no, everybody knows you're the best. But once yeah. they get to that point where everybody's giving them credit, Perfect. they don't know how to act. You know, they need they need somebody hating on them. And, you know, for, for Grissom, it's it's free right now. He gets like, he gets free motivation. Kirby and some of his players coming out and said, nobody expected us to be there. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah. You're top. You're ranked number one most of the season, man. You're yeah. Defending national champions. Yeah. This guy's like, you know, for everybody said I couldn't do this. How do you, how you like right. me now? Like dude, you're first pick in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all thought you could do it. <laughs> so Grissom was four for 13 with a double two ribbies and, and no strikeouts in three games in that Kansas city series. And the defense, you 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 alluded to a couple of mistakes. I think one was an error, another wasn't ruling error, but it was a mistake. That's the first early in the first game or in the first game. Yeah. The last two games, I thought he played really well, made yeah. a couple of really nice plays. Showed his yeah. range, by the way, coming over one time, filled the ball on the second base side, throwing hard, throwing nice clean throw to first. Yeah. Nice, really nice play. Yeah. And if if you you know, even if you're even if you're limited, you know, just athletically and you can't quite move laterally like other shortstops you can work on little stuff like your reads you know you can right. work on the you can work on getting that first step there's there's things you can do but yeah and that's what Wash is teaching him yeah yeah and sometimes you don't really know that until you hear the criticism you right. know for me I, I remember going into arbitration the first time and I really hadn't gotten a huge chance to face righties after 2000 uh, go through the 2010 season my whole arbitration case was he can't get righties out he can't get righties out and so you go into that season, it's like every time a righty steps in the box, it's a World Series for me. Yeah. And I had the best season of my career being told what I couldn't do. And so sometimes that's that's the kick in the ass you need. Yeah. And I think, you know, while it may be legitimate, I think a lot of it is scouts see a player in the minor leagues and they never forget their impression of that player. Maybe they yeah. saw him in a bad series or whatever. And they just assume that's going to be his MO the rest yeah. of the way. Because this guy is not your typical shortstop size, he's bigger. He's like six yeah. three, yeah, and and he's not one of these compact, super quick guys with the feet and boom, the movements. Yeah. Like he's not Fuki or you know, yeah. or Edgar. These really graceful, really quick. He's an athlete though. This guy moves yeah. well. He's just not super quick, and that's the stuff Wash has been teaching him about getting jumps and instincts and being there to make up for that. You know, yep. his short files because he does have some real pluses too. So. I'm not going to say he can't play shortstop in the, in the majors. I think he's already done it. He showed that he can do it, yeah. you know, whether it's average or below average. He's he's does enough with how he is. I think that they can they can put him there 
and not it's not going to kill him. So, but he might become yeah. a lot better than that. You know, yeah, we'll just see over time. He's young. I mean, you can. But you want him somewhere. With hard work, you can get so much better, and especially yeah. it's. I think you're so focused on the big things coming up through the minors. You're so focused on making the plays you're supposed to make. You're so focused on your your at bats and hitting. Yeah. Hit. Sometimes, sometimes these things you don't. I mean, you got to perfect the other things before you really have the time to dedicate yourself to them. But once it's brought to your attention, like I got to work on my range, you know, and you're yeah. seeing it in the papers and hearing it, you might not even hear that coming through the minors. You know, right. you might have a couple coaches tell you like, let's get you going to your left better or whatever. But once you actually hear it and, and scouts are saying it, and everybody's saying this is the knock on you, then you're finally driven to say, okay, that's going to be a focal point. I'm going to get my hits in. You know, I know what I need to do in the cage, but I'm focusing and I'm driven this year to get better at that. Yeah, and he was playing multiple positions in the minors too. Yeah, not focused on shortstop like Shoemaker right. was playing shortstop almost prime, yeah. almost extent, almost exclusively. And I, I think most minor league guys, especially if they weren't the first pick, first rounders, they focus on the hitting to show people. Hit. They know the yeah. bat is what's going to stand out and get them to the majors one way or the other. So they focused on hitting. Yeah, congrats! Your range got thirty percent right. better this year, but you hit two forty one. Right. Yeah, you're going back to single leg. And I think ultimately. Worst case scenario for this guy, and it's not a bad scenario at all. Is worst case you can move him to left field because he's obviously got the athleticism to play the outfield and play it well. Yeah, you know. But if he can, has he done any of that? No, he hasn't. He hasn't. But they've talked about it, but they haven't done it yet. I'm not aware that they've worked him out there at all. But they have talked, discussed it. You know, it's it's been discussed. It's just that they don't want to. They don't want to distract him right now. Right. If a guy can play shortstop, you know, long term. No, you're gonna you gotta you gotta try everything you can to make that happen because it's but, it's a lot more valuable position. But now that they've got RCA signed for a three year deal, I think that's one of those things that they if they decide RCA is better suited for shortstop than a utility role, and if he plays like he did the first yeah. two weeks, they he's will playing be like that for two and a half. Then you will, I think, look for a way yeah. to keep Grissom in the big leagues, and, and, yeah. and outfield could be, obviously be it because they don't have anybody there long term. Yeah. All right. Good problems to have. Braves start a big series tonight here in San Diego. Stay up late. Brew that coffee after you get off work. Those late East Coast starts. Three of them. My kids will be in bed when this game starts, so it's nice for me when they're on the West Coast. All right. We appreciate it, everybody. 755 is real. We are out. We are out.